Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with family caregiver and advocate Susan Mills and what this past year has been like. So let's have a listen. For, thank you, Susan, for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles. I know it's a year later and time has certainly flown by. And before we start, I'll just get you just to introduce yourself to the listeners so they can be able to hear your story. I'm Susan Mills. I have a mother, Barbara Mills, in, who's 85 in a long-term care facility uh, just outside of Ottawa. Perfect. Thank you. And um, we'll start with, you know, last year, how, you know, when the pandemic hit and of course you were locked out, just give us a brief history of what that was like for you and what you had to do to in order to find out what you could be able to do to get back into the long-term care facility. Okay. So on March 14th, 2020, I, all care, all visitors were locked out of long-term care. Um, we, I don't think any of us thought that we would have been locked out for so long. I went to the window every day. As soon as we were locked out, I set up um, with the staff members a convenient time for me to be able to visit, do a window visit with my mom. She's on the ground floor. I am very fortunate um, so that I could communicate with her. Initially, uh, we had telephone conversations. She was able to hold the phone. Um, I would bring my tea down. She would have her cup of tea at that time. And we'd just have a little bit of a social conversation. As time went by, I was starting to see more and more deterioration um, with her. Um, She was unable to hold the phone. They had to start putting the phone on speaker. Uh, She was unable to really eat her tea and she always had a treat with her um, and she was unable to wrap those things. So her her dexterity, uh, we would often do exercises too during that limited time period. And then I could see as time went on further that she would just be falling asleep. Um, She needed more assistance with uh, her food and uh, her cup of tea. Um, Staff needed to help her. Uh, She wasn't able to do the exercises that we had been doing. She couldn't lift her legs anymore um, to do it independently. So in front of my eyes, I could see her deteriorating as time went on and it was very difficult because you're outside the window and you really can't do anything other than be there there were times that she would recognize me as time went on at at the beginning she knew exactly who I was she knew you know but as time went on if you're not there with her all the time then she wouldn't recognize you and that was difficult. I can only imagine uh, the difficulty for that. And how, how, you know, during that initial, how did that make you feel to be able to see that deterioration for your mother at that time? It made me feel 
guilty for having actually put her in a facility where I thought she was going to be safe, but I would allow be able to have access to her. Caregiving doesn't stop just because they go into long-term care. She's still my mother. She's my sibling's mother. We, we should have been able to visit her, support her. And I think it's the lack and not being able to support her makes it very difficult on an individual. Um, we feel guilty. We feel like, what, what can we do? I tried. I called up um, to bring her home, to bring her out. But again, there's very little support that you can get uh, in order to facilitate that. She's in long-term care for a reason. That is where she needs to be at this stage of her life. Um, but not, but for her not having access to the one thing that was important to her family, it really impacted her quality of life. Yes, I can imagine. And the other thing is once then the restrictions somewhat got lifted uh, in September, what was that like now being able to go into the facility? That was a huge, a huge impact. Um, and my mom had deteriorated to the point where I was allowed in a little bit earlier. Um, but once it opened up September 9th, uh, it allowed my sister and I to be her caregivers. And we were able to come up with a schedule. One of us goes in the morning, one of us goes in the evening, and we alternate and we support her. She thrived initially um, with the one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, she is in a natu more natural decline now, but um, we can support her along the way. And just her knowing that we're there with her, I think it really helps improve her quality of life. We bring her outside every day as much as possible. Um, we help feed her. And sometimes we just sit holding her hand. Yeah, no, that must be really great for, your, for you both to be able to have that and to have that human touch, what that must mean for your mother, as well as now within the second wave when that came about and were you impacted in terms of being restricted into the facility during that time as well? We were impacted only by uh, um, having one at a time go in as opposed to two. We, we always arranged a schedule where we only would have one of us go in, even if we were allowed to, just, just because it was we recognize that having more people, you know, it makes it in a vulnerable situation. It, it is better just to have one if you can, but some caregivers are older and they need more assistance. Um, my sister and I were able to offset and it seemed to work. And in terms of the second wave, um, we weren't really impacted. We were allowed in. What Im what really impacted with the second wave was when they stopped the general visitors from coming in 
having any social interaction in uh, ours was in October before Thanksgiving, or that you could not take the residents out for even a drive. I was able to get my mom out just before Thanksgiving when they closed it down. And then after that, she had no general visitors other than window visits. Um, and we could not take her out at all. And so again, you're back into the isolation from the rest of the family. It was great that she got to have her caregivers with her, but you've also cut off a lot of the other family and friends support. Yeah, I can, yeah, that's, that definitely is a, a challenge because a lot of people did experience that as well. And so with the, with Bill 203, which would have been the Essential Caregivers Act that was put through, um, at least proposed in the provincial government, how do you feel like go, seeing what you've seen so far, how that bill, if it had been passed and put into law, would have greatly improved for not only your mother, but for other residents in long-term care? Caregivers need to be legislated. They need residents, uh, patients, they need access to their support system. Cutting off their support people is just cruel and inhumane. Um, especially those that are in the vulnerable position, dementia, you know, there's all sorts of reasons, um, but they lean on people. They lean on people that they know and just to take that away from them, it was cruel. So we do need legislation. We need Bill 203, the More Than a Visitor Act passed. Um, and so that this never happens again. And that caregivers or residents and patients always have access to their caregivers, whether it's one or two initially, um, they really need that support. And the other thing um, I wanted to mention, or at least to ask you, what did you notice in terms of with staffing levels at the long-term care facility where your mother is at? The staffing levels are consistent. Um, they will say stable, but stable is a very relative term. There's a lot of uh, evenings when they are short at least one or two. Uh, and I know staffing levels overall have declined and I understand I understand it when you're in a larger facility that it impacts the residents. My mom's in a fairly small uh, facility and most of the staff are fairly local, but when you reduce the staff, you reduce the level of care. Yeah, definitely, thank you. And so when vaccinations started happening uh, with long-term care and you're then, you, is your mother now fully vaccinated? My mom has been fully vaccinated since March. And the other thing is, well, some people had an experience where even though their loved one was fully vaccinated, they still weren't able to go outside. It still felt as if they were back at wave one when this first pandemic first started. What did you experience once your mother was fully vaccinated as well as yourself? 
what were the, the protocols in place for you and your mother? Um, they didn't really change. Uh, as an essential caregiver, I could take my mom out into the secure gardens and I always did on a nice day. Um, you can't take her out anywhere else, but uh, it just for some fresh air or we could take her. But there was no change with respect to any other visitor being allowed in. Um, and even with essential caregivers being fully vaccinated, there still is no change. We're in gowns, we're in masks. Um, you know, we have to do the rapid testing every second day and screening. So there's been very little change with respect to protocols after the residents have been fully vaccinated. Oh, wow. I didn't know the, um, the, te the rapid testing was still in play uh, for individuals that were fully vaccinated. The, the next question that I have is what then, like now that there's the talk of national standards to um, provide a, a, a level field for all um, long-term care facilities, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this in terms of with having a national standards within this country? I believe in national standards, um, but there has to be some enforcement. So you just cannot have a national standards because I know that most of the facilities in Ontario were accredited um, and they met whatever standards they had in place. But we have to bring it under the Canada Health Act. We need national standards with enforcement because right now there is very little in terms of fines or penalties or anything. So national standards by themselves won't do anything. So you need the other second component with it. I was going to ask you, Susan, in regards to with Minister Fullerton, how do you feel the fact that she has not acknowledged uh, what has happened during this past year and a half, or even apologize for what has happened and to families? What are your thoughts? Number one, I think all families deserve an apology for the way that this was handled. Yeah. Um, Long-term care, it was, I mean, pathetic. Um, especially, I, I think families can recognize the initial first wave because it was a new virus. Although, you know, you have to listen to people and families saying there's a danger locking us out. I think that this government and Marilee Fullerton should have done a lot more between the first and second wave and that there were a number of deaths in the second wave that this government needs to take accountability for. Um, they were preventable. Actions should have been taken. We knew, I mean, they could have had inspections ahead of time. Um, staffing, you could have staffed up before the second wave. Um, and I think that that is her responsibility and she needs to take accountability for that. I agree with you 100% and thank you for that.
your final thoughts on what you feel in order for us to, you know, yes, we're coming out of this pandemic, but what else would need to change for long-term care at this point? Well, in Ontario, we have the OAG's report and we have the long-term care commissions and we have tons of other reports. So I think right now what we need is action on the recommendations. And for essential caregivers, we need, do need the legislation. We need Bill 203 and we need um, that legislated so that in any situation there, we will not be locked out. Um, but long-term care has a, there's been all kinds of issues and we don't need any more studies. We need them to be addressed and action taken. Thank you so much, Susan. I really do appreciate your time for coming on and to speak on this as well as to come back after a year later. And um, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you.